Hello, everyone, and welcome to Reimagining Work from Within. I am Jeff Melnick, based here in San Francisco. It is the first, well, not the first podcast of the year, because we had an exceptional episode that came out just the beginning of, of January, but it's the first one that we are recording this year, fresh off of the break. I am joined today by the wonderful Carol Kondo. Hi, Carol. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm good. So I'm sitting here in San Francisco, and it's probably 64 degrees as usual, because that's always what it is in Fahrenheit. But you are in the height of a South African summer. <laughs> so true. It's 37 degrees right now. And honestly speaking, we are on fire. That's the best way to describe this Friday evening. Everybody's by the beach. It's hot. People are as cool as they can be. So I think we have lots of cool cucumbers somewhere. It's always so interesting because whenever, obviously, you're in your summer, it tends to be, well, 64 degrees here, but thinking about our colleagues in <laughs> Montana where it's it's super, super cold. Emily, our podcast producer, she's in Skiville territory enjoying the snow. Our colleagues in London are freezing. Obviously, our colleagues in Singapore are True. enjoying their usual... <laughs> a thousand percent humidity but for but what i always notice is when i'm cold you're hot and when i'm <laughs> warm you have the sweaters on the blankets on and it's just i don't think it's anything i'll ever be able to reconcile in our in our shared world honestly i think it's the one thing that really really highlights for me where you are and where I am, I do have it in my mind. But the minute I go on a call with you and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in a vest and he's wearing a jumper. They're like, OK, really, he's away. <laughs> so quite true. The okay. differences of our hemispheres. But the one thing that is consistent in our world is it is 2024. So let's get into it. Our intention today is to go through some of the things that we see in our magic within crystal ball about what might mm -hmm. or may not be occurring in 2024. But I think let's paint a little picture of what 2023 was like so that we sort of set the sure. scene a little bit about what we're working with. And I I guess, yeah, my question for you is, you know, South Africa, what's been what's been happening? What was what's been the world of work like over the past 12 months? So it's quite an interesting question that you asked me because there's lots of things that are happening. But I think there are two big issues that I really heard loud and clear in South Africa. And the first one was coming back into the offices. You know, COVID had done a number on a lot of people. We had all moved back home. And people who are used to this way of being, working from home, it's flexible. I can work in my pajamas. I can decide when to pick up my kids because the kids had gone to school. And now we're being asked to come back to the office. And most organizations were saying 95% of your time, come back to the offices. And there's quite a lot of backlash from employees around that because they said it worked during COVID. So what has shifted now? Am I not performing anymore? What is it that you're saying? Is it my body that you want to see or it's my output that you want to see at the end of the day? So that really created quite a lot of tension. And considering that South Africa has a very communal context to it from a cultural perspective, they were saying it's good we come together and build like team spirit. It's good that we come and see each other in person. Then we can bond and work together as a team. And for others, they felt that wasn't necessary for them. So it was very difficult for business to find 
that balance between those that needed physical interaction and were able to work without it and those that felt like, you know, if I don't get it, then I'm really going to struggle to work with my teams on the same on the same teammate or division, whatever that might be. Okay, completely agree from from what I'm seeing, not only here on the West Coast and across North America, also what we're seeing in the UK. I think the return to office quandary was the big theme of 2023, but I don't think it's going away. I think it's something that we're still seeing in the ether. And I want to eat some humble pie here because I think that I dismissed this as being something that was going to be a point in time, probably around the end of 2022 going into 2023. I thought people would resolve it. I was very optimistic. I thought people would have some rational sense around it, but I was clearly wrong. So my prediction powers are off. But what <laughs> I, what latest fact from Fast Company is nine out of 10 companies will have some sort of office mandate in 2024. So companies are saying you're going to need to get back to the office and it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all thing. It could be random days, it could be certain teams, it could be certain individuals. And I think what we're seeing is just the weirdness of it as well. I mean, we the I don't know if if you saw the WebMD video that our producer Emily I did. Yeah, let me audio transcribe the the WebMD video. You've got a bunch of executives doing an internal corporate video about why coming back to the office is so important, but it's not a invitation to come back. Um, to quote mm, the, the mm. video, it's, we aren't asking or negotiating at this point. We are informing your manager will be in touch shortly about how this will be implemented and tracked. So you're basically seeing the mandate is real. You've got to come back. But Carol, why is this happening? Honestly, one of the most interesting arguments that has come through is actually from a DEI perspective. And they were talking about the lack of equity in the different contexts, especially in South Africa, where we have problems with electricity. So not everyone can afford to get um, a router going on. Nobody, Not everyone affords to have solar energy going on. So if there is no internet connectivity, how are you supposed to work? And because of the social construct of South Africa currently, not everyone can manage to stay in a nice space where you'll have like a nice office without having your kids or your wife or things like people coming in and out from a spatial perspective. So it kind of heightened really the differences culturally in terms of money, race and all those things that come into play. And what the argument there was, if you come back into the workplace, we provide a very equitable experience of what work should be like. Everyone has the same chair. Everyone has the same desk. We're all experiencing power cuts at the same time. So how best do we work with the challenges that South Africa is facing at that time? And also things like productivity. People are not finishing their work as they're supposed to do it because... You know, things, life gets in the way. And if it's Cape Town, people like to go to the beach in summer. So this, <laughs> it's very difficult, you know, for leaders to rally their people towards a certain cause during certain seasons. I don't know what came up on your end, but for us, really, it sits around those differences. Can I afford data as well? Is the company paying for data? Mm -hmm. You've got um, a stable internet connection. I don't. And 
it makes life really complex. But at the same time, I want to work from home. So how do you manage the thin line between people's personal desires and what they really expect from the professional context of the workplace? See, those are incredible reasons to get people back together in a shared space. Unfortunately, I don't feel that's necessarily the intention here, especially in the Bay Area. I think it's pure performance panic. I think that with the with the economic uncertainty going on and the we'll talk about a little bit about right sizing in a second, but the need to really understand like how to get the business back into a state of growth or at least the accelerated growth that businesses were seeing before. I think that leaders don't know what to do. I think it's a symptom of poor management with it showing a lack of strategy or mm. any ability to deliver clarity of what's expected. Because if you're able to just have a clear strategy with goals for individuals, and get them to decide how they can collaborate at their best. They can work from anywhere and find their own way through. But of course, leaders who are wanting to demand a certain level of delivery and find that's not happening would immediately go to something that would be quite a symptom, not a source around, well, our people aren't in the office and I can't watch them. And that's why I won't be able to deliver. And in the in the WebMD video, there's a line of, we need you ready and present and we need it now. And I think that was my like, bam, thank you for that, for <laughs> like demonstrating to me, show up, be at your desk. We need to so- turn this ship around uh, think- and just you there are going to make that happen. Honestly, Jeff, what you're saying does resonate quite a lot is um, the South African context too, honestly, because I think the way of leadership that we've always had inherited from different systems has been if somebody's not at work and you're not watching them and making sure that they've clocked in, like the clock in and clock out system where you put your fingerprint, sits in a lot of micromanagement, making sure people do work without really giving them the flexibility and independence to work on their own and creating cultures where people can work on their own without so much supervision. So I think the the bigger root of all that thinking lies in how are we leading? Have we managed to shift from that yesterday, yesteryear way of leading where we felt if I'm not farming you and I'm not on your back and making sure that by the time you leave, you've crossed your T's and put the last dot, then you're not working. So there is something there for the leaders with letting go as well with the way you've always been, which is difficult because you're asking somebody to let go of who they've always been and how they've always led. And you're saying to them, trust this individual, trust that they'll complete their work, trust that they are an adult enough and capable enough to complete their tasks. Instead of saying to people, don't mess with me, which was part of the WebMD video at the end, which, um, There's something about don't mess with us. And honestly, when I read that, I'm like, okay, this feels scary. Why would I want to mess with them? I mean, aren't we supposed to be working together? So why are we like subtly threatening each other? You know, there's something quite not right about those innuendos that were being dropped by that video and trying to really rationalize with people like think like this see it this way. If you don't come back, this is what it means. And let's have everybody from across the board sharing exactly why they think you must come back. So let's get to a point where we can bring our people around the table, let them know what we think. They tell us what they think. And we come to a, to that sweet spot where we can find what works for everybody. 
And I think that's that's our intention for leaders for next year, isn't it? Like, what does it mean to be truly flexible, to understand mm. all the needs of, of everyone in your team so that they can work and collaborate at their best? And if that is that people don't have the right kind of setup at home to work, to collaborate, offices have wonderful rationale for existing, right? But if it is that actually certain people work better at certain times of the day in certain situations in certain environments, how do you understand that and work with that to actually help everyone be their best self and do their best work? And and I think if if the intention there was like investigate what true flexibility looks like, that would really uncover something remarkable for business. Okay, what was your second one? You said you, were, <laughs> you said there was two, two, two bubbling in in the south. Tell us more. Well, the one that I found really quite interesting, pleasantly surprised, and this really also spoke to my personal opinion. You know, it really shifted me a bit. So I've always thought that AI is going to come and take everything away. You know, take job, take livelihoods, take money from people. Like I never thought of AI as a giver in any context. And right now we are getting to that place where the, the workplace is becoming more and more and more AI focused. But what does this mean for people that lead teams? What does it mean for the employees themselves? And after a very interesting conversation, I really got to the point where I understood that AI actually unleashes creativity. It gives time and opportunity to teams to grow, think, worry less about some of these things. And for those people um, that are in positions where they need to work with people, they have more time to really sit and have one-on-one -on -one coaching. They have more time to really unpack what is stopping the people that they're leading uh, from moving into a more creative energy or a more task-oriented energy. But we assume that when AI comes to take over everything, the human beings will be left with nothing. But what I see here is the opportunity that AI gives us to really step into full humanity without worrying about trying to add things up, get someone, get AI app to do it, you know, and let's have more opportunities to be human enough. And we really are about bringing humanity back into the workplace. So that's been an interesting discussion here with how best can we use AI since there's quite a lot of people that rely currently on human resource rather than AI as a resource that opens up more opportunities for humanity. I don't know what's coming up on your end because I know where you are is the home of AI and things work. So and give it to me. me. Tell you, I mean, you just need to be driving down the 101 and understand that every billboard in San Francisco is now an AI billboard. So you've seen the shift from software as service wow. directly into AI. That means that AI is here. It is the reality. It is the hot thing. I think we all know that. It's in the news every day. But I'm a bit. I'm, I'm also a bit of a pessimist. I'm a bit pessimistic. <laughs> That's not in my nature. So, so the Castro Theater just down the street from me has wonderful mm -hmm. films every week, and one of the series that I really like shows classic sci-fi. And this last weekend was Blade Runner, the final cut, which is, of course, Ridley Scott's vision for what the film was supposed to be. So, of course, Blade Runner is this, the true story. <laughs> and I think it's 2017 <laughs> is the date that's in the film as well, which is hilarious. Everyone laughed. Everyone lolled when that came on the screen. The true story of when we start to live 
amongst the robots. In- the robots are with us, right? Wow, and so, so they have physical form, not just chatbot on my computer. They are actually they are the replicants. They are around us. And of course, the original story for Blade Runner was actually set in San Francisco. The movie is set in LA, which works much better for the dystopia because it's just, it just does. (laughs) But the original book was set in San Francisco. So I always thought that was quite interesting. But in the, in the, in the, in the story of Blade Runner, that the robots have come to take everything. So they haven't just come to take our jobs. They're here to take. In fact, do you know if you are a robot or not? Are you a replicant? (laughs) No, I'm not a robot. (laughs) Well, do you know that, Carol Kondo? You don't know. We just don't know. Maybe I was told that I'm not a robot. Exactly. Because the replicants don't know that they're robots. And of course, in Blade Runner, they only have four years to live. So it's it's got all the stories of mortality and love and connection. Beautiful story by Evangelist. Anyhow, if that's our if that's our sci-fi future, where are we today going into that? And I think, you know, Goldman Sachs released a report saying that three mil three hundred million jobs will be lost mm-hmm. to AI in the coming years. Two thirds of jobs are exposed. But to your point, Carol, they said AI is going to increase GDP on average around the world by 7%. So AI is going to make us more efficient. It's going to make us more productive. Mm. But Mm. there's going to be a cost to that. And I think I love your perspective on this. Like, how does it how does AI support us to unleash our creativity even more? But in the place we're in right now, it's going to have a very real human cost for some people. You know, it's having a cost True. in the arts, with with design, with music, with with writing. We saw the strikes last year um, in Hollywood around. You know, if if AI can start writing scripts, what what's our point as as writers? How do we uh, how do we get around that? And I think. I think what I love about what you're saying is how does AI help us to understand to be more human and bring mm. the human in? Let the let the replicants do their job. How does AI allow us to be more human? And I guess what's your what's our intention for that for business? Like if all if most businesses are going to be impacted, what do we want to see leaders doing to to live into your version of of the of the desired future? Honestly, Jeff, you know, when people have these conversations around what's going to change in business, what's going to change, I think the one thing that should never change, if anything, that we should increase is bringing humanity into businesses because at the end of the day, when you go up to McDonald's, it always feels so much better when you interact with a real human who asks you about your kids and, oh my God, you're buying three milkshakes. Is it because, is there a grandmother at home? And, oh, have a lovely day. The warmth of just being human is enough to allow people to feel like this is a place that they can belong, this is a place that they can work, this is a place where they can excel. And we need leaders who understand that my humanity is actually my uniqueness. That is what I bring to the fore. In as much as the AI can check the numbers, I can bring those numbers to life in a way that only another human being can understand. So asking leaders to bring that part of themselves when they work with me as an employee really allows me to achieve my fullest potential. And when I do that, the business benefits as well. 
So what was coming up for me there is, okay, leaders need to be more human to understand how to connect more with their teams and to draw out their creativity. But what if the bosses become AI? Will we ever have a time when your boss... Honestly speaking with what I'm seeing around the world, I wouldn't be shocked if my boss turned out to be AI. But honestly, imagine having a discussion with him about an, incre like an increase in my salary around. So AI, did you know <laughs> that these are the challenges I'm facing as a human being? And the AI is like, I totally agree. School fees is expensive in South Africa. Carol, you must be struggling. I think there's something there, you know, <laughs> about having computer a, says, an but, AI But boss. computer says no. <laughs> yeah, you know, but computer, and then going back and saying, you know what, I couldn't negotiate an increment because computer said no. And I'm yeah. trying to rationalize my emotions. So in as much as we can mimic them and create uh, humanoids, like we've heard them being called on various um, programs or TV, sci-fi. I think it is so essential for human beings to be loved by humans because only a human being can translate a human experience and use AI to augment and complement the human experience. That's a tweet right there. We can't. We don't have tweets anymore, though, do we? That's an X right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm an X, <laughs> and it looks like this. Boom. Speaking of X, may I share, I feel like we've got time maybe for one more quick trend for the year that let, let's set an intention around. And it's something very real still happening here. And I'm curious on your perspective in the South African context, but it's this notion of right sizing. I think that we are still seeing businesses having to reorganize and really understand this, the right size of their business in order to achieve their goals and a, a maintain a level of profitability that's sustainable. I feel like the pandemic was a wake-up call for that, not only because businesses made very poor decisions around the number of people that they needed to hire, the amount of products and services that they were, they were able to shift, but that there's this, a sense of like, what is this business actually that we're trying to build now? So there's a, there's a little bit of a wake up. And to, to piggyback that off of the AI conversation, Forbes recently had an article that said 71% of executives say their organization plans to prioritize increasing or advancing their use of AI, a competitive advantage mm -hmm. that they admit has been more beneficial to their business than employees. So they see AI as something that they would rather invest in now because it's more beneficial than the employees that they have. And therefore, right-sizing also means how do we start to reorient the business towards our AI future? And actually, do we need less people in the business? Carol, what's your thoughts on that? I think for me, the question there would be, is it that we need less people, we need the, the right people? Is it an issue of numbers? It's a quantity and quality kind of thing because you can have the right size and, you know, reduce up to the optimum level but end up with totally the wrong staff. So there is a whole complexity there around what do we actually need to deliver, like from a numbers perspective. But in that numbers um, context, do we have the right people? And sometimes... It's a combination of both. 
So in the Af South African context, I don't think right-sizing really works at this point because we don't have so much AI. I was so glad just to take you back and digress a little bit. So when we went for Within Week and I checked in via BA, experience of my life, forgive me for seeing this at 40, I was checked in all the way up to security by a machine. Coming to land on the South African side, I'm like met with real humans. And in as much as I admired and loved what I saw, because it's something that I could share at home, there was something about meeting people at every point. So from the minute I disembarked to, to stamping my passport, getting my bags through, being asked if I need a trolley, that whole experience full of humanity made me feel complete and made me feel like I'd been served right in a different way. So as we write size, can we look at the particular touch points and really question whether getting AI to create the right size is the best thing for what we need right now? Or do we just need humanity in the right sizes that allow us to pay them well and allow us to do what is right by them from a care perspective as a company. So it's really complex, really answering that directly, but I still feel like here in South Africa, we still need more people and right sizing <laughs> might not be exactly what we need. <laughs> so it's not, so the word is kind of wrong. It's more like, like a re, re, I was going to say re but that just sounds completely wrong <laughs> in the context of people's jobs being shuffled around like it's not like you're going to judge your career but it's it's sort of like the right people with the right skills in the right place to deliver the right experience versus just we need more people because i think what we were seeing in the pandemic hiring burst and and especially in those industries that really benefited from folks shopping online or mm. suddenly needing a peloton was there was a lot of overhiring and there and and I think what we also saw was getting people in very quickly, possibly choosing people who were not right, rightly skilled, so they didn't have actually what was needed to help grow the business. A lack of onboarding because there was difficult to onboard people. People didn't have the skills to do that remotely. They didn't thought about that. So so folks didn't thrive in their roles. And I think a lot of the a lot of the job cuts we saw here around the end of 2022-2023 was a little bit of a reorganization around who are the right people that we need. But I think I think the intention there for leaders is, is to really consider like what is the business that we're trying to build? Like in this new future, post-pandemic future where things are always going to be uncertain, you know, we're we're heading into into a, a major election here in the US and in the UK next year things are going to get funky again, maybe, I think, <laughs> you know, and so what is the business you're building for the future? And what are the humans that are going to take you into that future? AI is not going to take you there. I think what's coming up for me, Jeff, as you speak, like a bit more clarity around the whole concept of right sizing, honestly, is if there's no clarity or vision that is being communicated and translated to employees it'll lead to that situation where you find yourself right-sizing because from the get-go, your blueprint was not quite right. You were hiring, but not hiring with intent. And now that we found ourselves in that place, like you said, 
during COVID where lots of tech people were hired and hired and lots was happening in the tech world. And we had that balloon, especially here as well, and salaries were inflated and things like that. And suddenly you ask yourself, do I need 100 developers? Yes or no? And the truth really is, if you thought you were going to grow and take advantage of the two years, as an example, was that really a sustainable vision? Or were you really designing products that would lead to the betterment of the environment that we live in? So there is something, I'm seeing that as a symptom of leaders now recalibrating and reorienting themselves around what it is that they need to achieve. So right-sizing is leaders trying to correct things that they did wrong in the first place. And unfortunately, it means that employees do suffer because they are the ones that are being shed off at this point. So as we write size, as we write size, maybe it's really important to ask ourselves our why with the right sizing. When we write size, then what? What is our why? What is our what? And if those things are very clear, then when you have those conversations, it's easy to explain to someone that I'm letting you go because of X. X won't allow me to get this kind of output when you are here. Not because you lack skill. I don't like who you are. I hired you at the wrong time. But really it gives even a clearer explanation. I think you're right. And we probably need to to wrap up. My brain is going into all sorts of different directions. But I think if there's one thing from from what you just said that I feel like is a, is a real intention for leaders in 2024 is what is that vision of the business that you're building? What is the experience you're creating for your customers and for your for your people? Who are the people that are, you need to go on that journey with you? And how are you as a leader going to bring that humanity to take people forward? I think that sort of reset, recalibration, reconnection to what we stand for, I think that's so critical right now. And that that gives that certainty of of well as much as possible in an uncertain world right to your people it gives clarity that this is the business that we're trying to create here and it, i think it gives a sense of conviction like this is the direction of travel mm-hmm. that we're about to embark on and 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 with that vision of of where we're going and and who we are as we travel that's really powerful for leaders to to step into that's not that can be a resolution can't it carol that commitment towards <laughs> it but that visions are always an intention an aim of where we're going for a beautifully painted intention one that we can all see one that we can all align with one that we can really see ourselves going on together Carol, this has been delightful. There's something that's come up for me that I think we need another podcast on because I think you have some particular expertise that I would love to, as we say, pick your brains around. Always reminds me of Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Temple of Doom when I say that. But I, but I think going back to what I was saying before about this is this is a time of continued uncertainty. It's an election year. We are in a, a place of increased global conflict that we can't escape from in our newsfeed every mm. day. Mm. There's a lot of division, uh, you know, here in the in the um, U.S. context. That's a very very polarizing left versus right context, and and it's a time of increased awareness around social justice. And I think I think we need to mm. have a discussion about what does that mean in the workplace and how do we how do we understand how to 
bring people around something that's common to to start to heal that and you've done some great work in that and i'm i'm wondering if maybe rather than lumping that into today's conversation maybe we need a separate little definitely that would be lovely looking forward to that conversation with you too all right well let's get that on the schedule okay so I think we've done a bit of a summary, but any final thoughts, Carol, on, on your hopes and hopes and dreams for 2024? Honestly speaking, I would say to any leader at this point during this lovely recording that we're doing today, hold yourself with loving compassion as you go throughout the year, whether it's because of a financial goal, whether it's because of a personal goal, but whatever it is, hold yourself with compassion and with love. And that in itself will tide you over through a lot of things. Yeah. So happy 2024, guys. And happy we wish you all the best from this end. Happy, happy 2024, everyone. It's also the year of the dragon. And let's see where that takes us into the future. Mm, dragon energy. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Carol. And thanks to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed an, a little bit of reconnection around intention versus resolutions for 2024. Tune into our podcast every month for more episodes on what's happening in the culture and leadership space, what's on the minds of the leaders committed to change in our community, and other future of work content that you crave. Reimagining Work From Within is available wherever you listen to podcasts.